Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Today we are kicking off our series, Fresh Air. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with this week's message. Well, good morning again. Uh, If we didn't get a chance to meet this morning, my name is Pastor Josh. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Vertical Church, uh, which means that I do this just about every week um, that we gather together. We open up uh, the scripture, we read from it, and um, I tell you what you're supposed to do. So (laughs) that's what we're going to do for the next 20 or 30 minutes. Um, I've actually got a lot of noise up here, so if you can turn me down, that'd be great. Um, and, and somebody looked at me this morning because I've got my Mr. Rogers sweater on, right? I, I'm trying to sport the the kind of uh, aura or, or energy of Mr. Rogers. And in that spirit, um, I want to kind of give you some information that maybe you didn't have. Because, you know, every time you watch Mr. Rogers, you learn something new, right? He's always taking you to a new place. He's always teaching you something new. You know, they have a show now uh, called Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, which is themed after that. Anyway, it's really great. My kids watch it. If your kids don't watch it, they should. It's awesome. Uh, anyway, did you know that around, it's, it's still like really weird. Just kill me in the all monitors and take all the reverb out. It'd be great. Um, Check. Still, still there, isn't it? It's wild. It's a little bit better. What if I just talk softer? That works. Okay, I'll just keep on going and I'll talk softer. Uh, if it if it keeps on going, we'll just kill this and grab my hand. Okay, I'll do that. I'm, see what you don't see is I'm looking back there and they're telling me they're doing they're like giving me baseball signs. All right, check. There we go. Kill this one. I got this. All right. So I'm going to go like this day. All right, there we go. They're going to give me baseball signs. <laughs> Check. Okay, there we go. Baseball signs, right? And so I'm trying to look through the lights and see what they're doing. Anyway, okay, so what you may not know is that around the world, near the equator, there is this zone called the Intertropical Convergence Zone. Have you ever heard of the Intertropical Convergence Zone? Those of you that maybe uh, spent some time in the Navy or you're a sailor, you would know about this this place because uh, according to Wikipedia, which is where I do all my research, (laughs) and where some of you in high school, you do your research too, you just don't tell your teacher. Um, According to to research, this is an area near the equator, not always near the equator, but most of the time near the equator. It's an area of low pressure where, because if you ever watch like the Weather Channel, uh, you'll notice that the, the northern hemisphere, the weather kind of flows this way. Right? And the southern hemisphere, it flows that way. So one, the top half of the world is going that way, bottom half is going this way. Where it meets in the middle uh, is this area called the intertropical convergence zone. Now, you may not recognize that name, but you may recognize the phrase, the doldrums. You may have heard of the word, the doldrums, before. Yeah. Well, what that, that's, that's a name that, that sailors used to give this area called the Intertropical Convergence Zone because it's an area where there is no wind. Now, now, sometimes there can be very violent wind, but most of the time, often, there's no breeze. There's no wind. It's just kind of stale because you've got weather moving this way in the northern half and weather moving this way, and where they meet, they cancel each other out, and they create this area called the doldrums. And sailors used to be very, very frightened of this area because they were sailing boats that were powered by wind. And when your boat's powered by wind and there's no wind, you're stuck. (laughs) 
You're there. And they would, you know, you could, you could get stuck in this period for days or weeks or even months. You could just be stuck in the doldrums. Now, nowadays, you know, we don't have just cell power. So sailors, they're not as fearful of this area, but it's still a, a rough patch of our planet. It's still a rough patch of, of the earth because the weather changes very violently, but also because if you're in a sailboat, you might get stuck. I mean, as a matter of fact, uh, several, like a couple hundred years ago, there was a, a guy named Samuel Taylor Coleridge. He, he wrote a poem. And there's a couple of stanzas that I want to read to you. You can see them on the screen. Uh, he says this. He's kind of found himself stuck in the Pacific doldrums. And he says, All in a hot and copper sky, the bloody sun at noon. The bloody, you know, he's not American, right? Because uh, we don't say that. Right above the masted stand, no bigger than the moon. Day after day. Listen to how he describes this place called the doldrums or Technically, the intertropical convergence zone, for those of you who like that kind of information. This is how he describes it. Day after day, day after day, we stuck. No breath, no motion. He took poetry from Rebecca Black. All right. There's like half the people have seen the video, half the people haven't. It's cool. Day after day, day after day, we stuck. No breath, no motion. As idle as a painted ship upon a painted ocean. And, and you know what? You, maybe, maybe you came into this place today and that stanza describes your life. Maybe that's how you feel right now. Maybe you walked into the theater today and you're like, man, day after day, day after day, we stuck. <laughs> Not we so excited. We stuck. No breath, no motion. Maybe, maybe that's how you feel. Maybe you're not in like full-blown depression mode. Maybe you're not there. Maybe you're just not doing so well. You're just kind of stuck. Maybe, maybe you feel like the air around you is just kind of stale. It's like, ah, oh, man, I, every time I try to get some forward momentum, every time I try to get some wind manufactured to move my boat along, I'm just not getting anywhere. I'm just not, I'm just, maybe, maybe you're just idle. Like he says, an idle, uh, what is it, uh, idle is a painted ship. Maybe, maybe you just feel idle, directionless, motionless. Maybe something, look, look at this, you can get in the doldrums in all sorts of different ways because maybe you got knocked off course and you found yourself in this place where you're just kind of in a rut. You're just kind of stuck. But maybe life brought you here. Maybe, because see, sometimes the, the, the trajectory that we're on, we get knocked off of it and we get in a place of stuck. But sometimes the trajectory of life, the path that we're on, leads us straight through it, straight into this place. And so I don't know how you came in here this morning. I don't know exactly what brought you here or what's going on in your life, all the details. But I do know this. When you find yourself stuck in the intertropical convergence zone of life, when you find yourself stuck in the doldrums of life, most of us do the wrong thing to try to get out. Most of us try to do something externally, outside, to get out of the doldrums, to get out of being stuck. But, but what we discover is that the doldrums are kind of like quicksand. 
The more you move, the more you try to do something externally, the more you get stuck. And so here's what I think that most of us do. I think there's kind of four stages of being in this kind of situation, being in this spot. And and I want to go through those real quickly for you this morning. Uh, The first thing I think we do when we find ourselves in this situation is that, number one, you start faking it. If you've got your your program with you on the back, there's a place to take notes. And the first one is you start faking it. You know, because you, you can't let anyone know. You can't let anyone know. That's just, I, I just got to keep it together. I got I to keep up the image. I got to keep it looking like everything's good. You know, maybe you came in this, this place in the morning and you're in debt up to your eyeballs. But somebody says, hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. God's blessing and things are just awesome. Why? Because you, you, can't, you can't admit it. You can't admit that there's something wrong. So you, so you start faking it. I mean, some of you this, this morning on your way to church, you fought the whole way. Your kids are bleeding right now in D.C. kids. You're just like, just make it through the surface and we'll bandage you up when we get home. Right? But, but when you came in and somebody said, hey, good morning, glad to see you. How, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great. Praise God. It's just so good to be here in the, the house of God this morning. Bless God, everything's going great. And when you get home, you got to stitch up your kid. Why? Because we have this culture that just says, you know what, you got to fake it. You can't, you can't be real. You can't just say, you know what, I'm not doing so well. I feel kind of stuck. And so we've gotten really good at faking it. In fact, we've gotten so good at faking it, we just put Band-Aids on it. We just put Band-Aid on it. It'll be okay. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll just cover it up. We'll just hide it. You know what? It's fine. And then what happens so often, because we're so good at faking it, and we're all working to try to fake it as good as we can, what happens is when we peel the Band-Aid off just a little bit to expose and say, you know what, I'm not doing so good, what we get in turn is, well, I'll just pray for you. You have a great day, okay? <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I'll just cover it back up. Mm-hmm. I'll, just, I'll just cover it back up. I'm, I'm not going to. Never mind. I, I tried. And then what happens, you see, that's the first stage. You, you start faking it. And then, number two, number two, you just start putting it off. Now, I'll take care of it tomorrow. It'll, it'll be better tomorrow. I'll just, I'll just deal with it then. It'll be better tomorrow. And see, what, we ha- what happens is we buy into the lie that time heals. Can I, can I share something with you? Time does not heal. Only the Holy Spirit heals. Time can actually make things worse. Because you let the thing that's under the band-aid fester and infection sets in. Listen, a couple weeks ago, I'll give you an example. A couple weeks ago, about a week before Christmas, my son Cole, he's three years old, he fell out of bed. Now, your kid's probably falling out of bed. All kids fall out of bed. And, and he fell on the hardwood floor. And he had a big, huge gash on his head. I mean, it's probably about that long, right? I mean, not huge. I mean, it, wasn't, it probably wasn't life-threatening at the time. But you know what? When I... Grabbed him, went, hope, hope, you know, picked him up and was taking care of him. And, and I'm looking at him in the, in the bathroom. Okay, he's got a big gash in his head. I didn't say, you know what, honey, let's just put a Band-Aid on it because time heals. <laughs> let's just give it some time. No, what did we do? We went to the ER. We're going to get this thing fixed. We're going to get some staples in this boy's head. Turn him into a robot. <laughs> we didn't just say, well, time will take care of it because time doesn't take care of it. Oftentimes, time will make it worse. Because you just put it off. Just, just put it off. And you put it off so long that eventually, number three, you just give up. You just start giving up. I just don't think I can do this anymore. 
giving it time. I'll keep putting it off day after day. I'll just, I'm just going to give up. And so we give up on our marriage. And we just keep putting it off. Because right now it's not a war zone. And we only try to fix it when it's a war zone. And so since it's not a war zone, we just put it off and then we just give up. We give up on our jobs. Some of us have even walked into this auditorium at the stage where we're ready to give up on God. God, I just, I just don't feel the freshness. I don't feel like there's any newness. I just I don't feel like there's any momentum in my life. I'm just ready to, to give up. What happens when we give up to the point where we lose hope that anything can change? We go to the fourth stage of the doldrums, which is you die. You die. Now, this could be literally, physically, you just check out. Just check out. And, and we've seen that in our culture. People have, have gone so far, they've put it off, and they've, they've given up hope that anything will change. That they just check out. But it could also be that you die mentally. You, you die in your mind, and you're just a zombie walking around, mindless and, and numb to everything. It could be that you die morally. You know what? I'll, I don't care. I'll, I'll do whatever with whoever, whenever. It doesn't matter because it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I'm just dead inside. You can die spiritually. Just, just a spiritual death. Listen, listen. Even the greats of the Bible, even some of the greatest men and women of the Bible were here. They made it to stage four of the doldrums. Listen to what Paul. Paul was a guy who wrote a majority of the letters that comprised the New Testament. And listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and the first part of verse 9. You've got this on your notes if you want to read along. He says this. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. He says, look, I don't want you to not understand. It was hard. What we went through was tough. It was difficult. Listen to what he says. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Listen, it was tough. Life hit us with everything that it could hit us with. Our finances went south. Our marriage went south. My job went south. And I was stuck. We were stuck, Paul tells the Corinthians. He says, we were, we were, it was so great that we even despaired of life. Indeed, verse 9, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. He says, we were dead inside. We were dead on the inside. Even the greats of the Bible have been in that place. And maybe you're not there, but maybe you're in one of those stages this morning. Stages of the doldrums. Stages of the personal inner tropical convergence zone where no wind is moving and no life is happening. There's, there's no breeze blowing and you're just like... <sighs> well, I want to ask you a big favor. I want you to give us the month of January. Okay, it's first month in the new year. I want you to give us the month of January. This Sunday and three more. Because I believe if you'll give us the month of January and you'll make an attempt to be here for this series, that, that, that God will blow a, a fresh breeze in your life. You've got to do well, two things. Make an attempt to be here and you've got to make an attempt to apply some of the things we're going to say. And at the end of each message, I'm going to tell you one thing to do. That will help get you out of the darkness. It's going to be really easy, all right? Because here, what happens is, is when we're in there, it all comes down to the choices that we make while we are there. Like I said most of us do make the wrong choice when we're in that situation. Make the wrong decision, the wrong choice. We try to do something external 
instead of allowing an internal transformation of our heart. You see, external things, doing something externally, will never get you out of that kind of situation. Because, because the gospel, the story of Jesus, the, the scripture, this relationship with God, it's not about doing external things to make God like you. It's not about doing these nice things to God to get him to approve of you. Because external things don't do much to help change the situation. Parents know this inherently. Listen, you can, you can threaten, bribe, beat, and repeat on your kid. But unless you reach and train the heart, you don't have any hope. You're going to lose. I mean, you can duct tape them to a chair. But when they get out, they're going to do whatever they want to do. Because you've got to reach the inside, the, the, the internal area. It works in a marriage. Listen, listen. I'm married to the girl that's playing the keyboard, right? Uh, Hope. Those, those of you know her, it's Hope, right? I'm married. I love her, right? It's, this works here because, because there's an external rule, right? There's an external law of, of, of God that says, if I go have sex with another woman, then I'm going to go to hell. That's external, outside. Now, what happens is if I'm operating in that way, well, I, every single you know, pretty girl that walks by, well, I can't do that. Well, I can't, I can't go, I can't, I can't, whoa, 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 okay, okay. That's external, but what happens when it turns internal? I love her. I love her. And because I love her, there are no other options. It's because I love her. There's something internal, external, internal. And what happens is most of the time we do something external to try to get out of those situations and it only gets us more stuck. I mean, this is, this is from the very beginning. If you open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, if you don't have a Bible, uh, if you have a phone, you can follow along on version. Uh, if you don't have a phone, the scriptures will be up on the screen. Also, you have them in your hand with the program. The, this, this choice, it's a choice of whether to do something external or allow something to be done internally, happens at the very beginning of the book. Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden... He placed, look at this, he placed two trees. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life and the tree of do this and don't do that. The tree of internal transformation and the tree of external rules. The knowledge of what's good to do, what's not good to do. And listen to what he says in verse 16. He goes on, he says, But the Lord God warned him, him being Adam, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, including the tree of life. You can eat the tree of life, bro. That's good for you. That's going to help you live. That's going to give you, give you strength. That's going to be a fresh breeze in your sails, right? Except, verse 17, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because if you eat this tree, if you eat the fruit of this tree, what? You die. Doldrums. Intertropical convergence sign. You die. Why? Because, because something's internal versus what do, what do I need to do to be right? What do I need to not do to stay right? Tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And from the beginning of time, there's this gravitational pull that has pulled us as human beings to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because what we want to know is what do I need to do? What do I not need to do to stay right? 
What, what are the rules? What are the regulations? And, and, and Satan has tried to, tried to get us to choose this tree from the very beginning. I mean, I grew up in church. I know this is how this thing works. I grew up in a church where it wasn't so much about what was going on on the inside, but it was all about what was going on on the outside. Did I do this? Did I do that? And the, the teaching was, you know, don't drink, don't chew, don't go out with girls who do. That's what I learned. Kids' church. Twelve years of my life, I learned that thing. Don't drink, don't chew, don't go out with girls who do. Right? See, it's not about what's going on on the inside. It's about what's going on on the outside. And that's what, the, that's what so often we get taught. And, and I want to tell you this morning, it's not right. This is about an internal transformation. I want to present this choice to you in three different ways. Three different possibilities that maybe, maybe this is the choice that you're in right now. And hopefully, hopefully through, this, through this, God will, will help you make a different choice. The first one is this. So many times when we get there, we just choose to try to do more. Well, I'll tell you what your problem is. You don't read enough Bible. You don't read the Bible enough. You need to read more Bible. I'll tell you what your problem is. You don't pray enough. You need to pray more. You need to pray more. Listen, when I first decided that I'm going to try to make this thing with Jesus happen, I was trying to learn how to pray. Right? And my, my church would have these prayer meetings. Early in the morning, I would show up, 6 o'clock in the morning, trying to wipe the sleep out of my eyes. I'm going to pray. And I would pray for about 10 or 15 minutes. I'll be done. I don't have anything else to say. I don't know what to say now. But everybody else are praying for like an hour. And, I, and that's what I'll do. I just get up. I go sit down. I start reading my Bible. I feel like, well, that'll do good. I'll be fine. Right? Well, this guy comes along. He says, he, he does this sermon, this message from where Jesus says, you know, can you not tarry one hour? And he says, you're not really praying unless you pray for an hour. Oh, well, Lord, I thought I was just now getting this thing down. I thought 10, 15 minutes, I was doing good. So when I showed up at the next prayer meeting, I just said everything four times. <laughs> I repeated myself. Good, I did an hour, right? Because we're so concerned with doing more, 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 more. And you think that I'm, I'm stuck now. What I need to do is just I need to do more. I don't know what I need to do, but I just need to do more of it. See, that's one choice. That's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The, the other choice is you can receive what Jesus has already done. The choice is do more or receive what Jesus has already done. John chapter 5, verses 39 and 40. Uh, John writes these words of Jesus. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees who are, who are experts at doing more and criticizing those who don't do more. Jesus says this, You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. Look, you think by doing more and more and more, you're going to get life. Jesus says, you're missing it. These, these scriptures, these are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you have refused to come to me to have life. Isn't it amazing how often we turn something that's about Jesus into something about us? Read more, read more, more, more. Like we got some kind of Bible quota that we got to hit so that God will like us. And it's not about that. It's about receiving. Because if you, if you read the scriptures and you miss Jesus, you miss everything. So it's not about how much you do. It's about finding him in the process. It's not about how much you can achieve and, and, and quantify. But it's about a person that we're supposed to discover. We're not meant to, to fall in love with doing more. We're meant to fall in love with Jesus. 
Number two, second choice. Maybe you're, maybe this is you, because this is oftentimes me. This is what I often struggle with. The, the choice is that we try to earn God's approval. I, struggle, I can relate to this one more than, than any of the others. We try to earn God's approval. You know, I grew up thinking that God was always mad at me. That he was just, he was like some wizard of Oz God. You know, he would help me, but he didn't really want to. You know, I go before, I pray, green face, red smoke, what do you want? God, I just, just want to go to heaven. Go do this 15 times. You know, that's what I thought. But God was mad at me all the time. And every time that I, that I would mess up, it just, it just made him more angry. Angrier and angrier. And what I had to do then is I had to do the right thing so that I could earn his approval. So I could earn his affection. And if I did everything right, then he would like me. And that was my view of God. And, and what I had to come to realize is it's not about earning his approval. Check this. It's about this. Receiving God's love for you. Because here's the, here's the beauty thing. Here's the beautiful thing about it. He already loves you. You don't have to earn anything. It doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter today if you know him or you don't. It doesn't matter today if you consider yourself a Christian or you don't even believe Jesus even existed. It doesn't matter. He loves you already. He already loves you. Already. The, the great news is this. For, for some of you, he saw what you did yesterday. He saw what you did. He was there. He was looking. He was watching. And he still likes you. Now, he doesn't like what you did, but he still likes you. He's in, he's in love with you. He loves you. The, the story that we read at the beginning, the, those, those verses, that comes from Genesis chapter 2. What happens in that story is eventually Adam and Eve would eat from the wrong tree. And when they made the wrong choice, what does God do? God doesn't just go... No, God goes out looking for them. Why? Because he's in love with them. He loves them. He likes them. He's not going to just let them go off on their own way. He's going to pursue them. And some of you today, this morning, God is pursuing you. You made the wrong choice. You chose to eat from the wrong tree. But God is chasing after you. And that's what brought you here today. Because he loves you. Listen to this, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Paul writes this. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't like Jesus is, is, is standing there and he, before they knelt, he goes, all right, hold up. Y'all going to love me back. Now, before I do this, I need to know if you're going to love me back. No, no, no. While we were still spitting on him, he let him nail him to his cross. Because why? He loves us. Loves us. He loves us. And oftentimes our view of God gets distorted by the temptation of that other tree. By the, the gravitational pull of that other tree. He loves us. Maybe, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're number three. Maybe you're trying to obey God out of duty. Obligation. You know, growing up in the, in the church that I grew up in, you didn't dare miss church. Didn't miss, man. You missed, even if you were sick, they were on you like white on rice. They were calling you up that afternoon. Hey, where were you at? Well, I was I was home. I was sick. Well, what were you doing? Well, I was sick. You probably don't want to know what I was doing. Right? Why? Because because it's a duty, it's an obligation, it's a have to. 
You know, I thought this, I thought that whole, whole kind of concept of having to, this duty, this obligation, I thought that's what made Christians mean. I grew up around a lot of mean Christians. Y'all know any mean Christians? You know what I'm talking about when I say that? Don't raise your hand. This person sitting beside you. Kind of mean, right? Do that. I grew up around a lot of mean people. And I thought they were mean because, you know, they wanted to sin but couldn't. <laughs> you know? I'd say, I'd really like to, I'd like to smack you upside the head right now. Bless God, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> they wanted to, wanted to sin, but they couldn't because they were obligated to not. And so, and so they're just mean, and they and they're, and they're not excited. Look, look, I interacted with people outside the church, and they were so much happier. They looked like they were smiling. They actually smiled when I would walk into my church. Man, everybody's just like. I tell you, I got the joy of the Lord. It's been good. Let's sing that song about the joy. I'm just sad, like I'm walking into a funeral. Hey, this isn't cool. People out in the world, they got joy. They're laughing. They're having a good time. This is this is not making sense. Why? Because it was a it was a culture of duty, a culture of obligation. I I have to. And you know what? The Bible is hard. And when you have to obey the Bible out of obligation, you can't do it. It's too hard for you. And so the choice is, do we obey out of duty? Do we obey out of obligation? Or, or the other choice, the tree of life choice, do we obey out of love? Do we obey out of love? Because commands and rules and duty and obligation, it's like, all right, fine. Right, but if it, but if it's out of love, it's like I'd be happy to. You, you don't you don't even have to ask. You don't have to ask. I, I I would be happy to. John says in chapter fourteen, he quotes Jesus, and Jesus says, "If you love me, you will obey what I command." And really, both choices are right there in that one verse. It all depends on which side of the comma that you're on. Because what some of you hear when you read that verse is, is you're on the right side of the comma. Here's what you hear. If you love me, you will obey what I command. That's what some of us hear. If you love me, you'll prove it. You'll prove that you love me because you'll do what I tell you to do. That's what some of us hear. And others of us, though, we've caught this, this glimpse of a, of a God who loves us. And we hear, we hear on the left side of the comma, well, well if you love me, you'll obey what I command. Like, like it, you won't even have to think about it. If you love me, it'll just be a byproduct of your life. If you love me, you'll do what I say. Don't, don't even sweat that because you love me. And that's really the choice that we have to make, internal or external. And maybe that's the question that God is asking you this morning. Do you love him? Do you love him? And maybe you come in this place and... And you're like, no, I don't love him. I don't even know him. And that's cool. You know what? His invitation to you is, I love you. Would you just receive my love? And, and maybe you come in this place, and, and, and when I said, do you love him? Your answer was, well, I'm here today. Right? You know? I'm, I'm reading the one-year Bible, Pastor Josh. I'm up to date. It's on January 6th. Right? Maybe, maybe when, when, when we say, you know, do you love him? The response that you have is, look at all I do for you, God. Of course I love you. Don't you see all the things that I do? How would that work in your marriage? Right? I look at my wife, honey, do you love me? She's like, well, I cook your food. 
Does it work? Please. Or, or, or husbands, how would you, or, or wives, how would you feel if you would look at your husband and say, hey, honey, do you love me? Well, I'm both grass. Can I tell you enough? No, it doesn't work. Why? Because there's something more to love than just doing. Doing, 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 doing. There's more to love than just something external. It's about something that happens internal. And we need, we need something different. We need to make a, a different choice because so many times we're drawn to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're drawn to do the right things. And what I hope that we do today, and this is the thing, that this is your takeaway for the day. This is the thing that if you want to get out of that stuck place, out of the doldrums, here's the thing you need to focus on. We need to just fall in love with Jesus. That's it. Fall in love with Jesus. And how you fall in love with him? Receive his love. Just receive his love. Just fall in love with him. Think about how, how kind. Think about what he did. Because remember, it's not about what you do, but it's about what he already did. It's already been done. There's nothing else for us to do except just receive and surrender our life to the one who loves us deeply. The way you love him is you focus on his love for you. That's how you fall in love with Jesus. You just focus on his love. And as you look into his love, as you think about all the things that he's already accomplished... Well, love will just grow on the inside. You don't have to worry about doing more. You don't have to worry about earning his approval. You don't have to worry about obeying him out of duty. You will find this new thing bubbling up on the inside. It's his love. It's his love that he's putting in there in your heart so that you then in turn can love him back. It's all about love. So this morning... I want you to choose love. I want you to choose obligation or choose duty or choose earning or choose more. I want you to choose love. Just choose love. Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.